Book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, starting at verse 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 12, starting at verse 20. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast, They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Uh, Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death 
he was going to die. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. There was a book entitled The Seed Must Die. It described the discipleship of a Christian leader working in the Far East and combined both a proclamation of the dying, the death of Jesus and the significance of that for our salvation and the sacrifice entailed in walking in his footsteps and serving Christ in the world today. The seed must die. Maybe that's a good title for this morning's sermon where I'd like you to begin by imagining a work of art. A work of art which has uh, the reference point of a historical event and lots of details in it painted by the painter. But her point of focus is very clear on a particular image and your eyes drawn to that point of focus as you look at the painting and you take it away with you and you ponder it. For this reading from the Gospel today on page 1080, that focus within the painting is verse 24 and the two verses following it. And there are four words which I think strike me in verse 24. Let me read it to you and see if it helps you to sort of see it as a summary point of this reading. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Unless, single, if, many. Four key words. And we'll come back to those at the end. The gospel reading focuses on uh, some Greeks, as John puts it in verse 20. They are like us in this service. We are drawn towards Jesus. That's why we're here. And as John puts it, the Jesus who had a particular kind of death that he was to die, verse 33. They are Gentiles coming to worship at a Jewish feast, the feast of the Passover, verse 1. And they ask to see Jesus, verse 21. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. And maybe we have to, in brackets, say to ourselves, uh, they are typical of people who have seen that there's something very special about Jesus. And they are determined to see deeply within and really understand who this Jesus is. We would like to see Jesus. And John records this as though it's a question. And so in verse 23, Jesus gives his reply, as it were explaining something of who he is about himself and about who we are if we are to become his friends and follow in his footsteps. And maybe there's a kind of echo here with that lovely Old Testament reading that Anne read to us. Uh, a, a, A reading about covenant renewal in which the God of Exodus is again now at work 
out of the exile. The one who in the exodus took the people by the hand like a husband and led them gently and lovingly out of Egypt into a new life through the wilderness in the promised land. This God is at work again and the two key phrases are there will be forgiveness and they will truly know God in their hearts. What a lovely summary of covenant renewal and maybe a focus for our thoughts in Lent. Forgiveness and knowing God in our hearts. I spoke recently to a man who had spent 30 years reflecting on being abused as a child. He's now a parent and has a son in his 20s and is struggling to make sense of his role as a parent, remembering still his past. But he said, I've come across a word which has great meaning for me. It's the word forgiveness. His son went to a Christian activity somewhere and somehow his dad got involved with it. And the impact of that was he found forgiveness from his past, forgiving those who had abused him and finding God's forgiveness for himself. And this freed him both to move on into the future, leaving the past behind, and also to have the resources to work with his son as his son struggles to find himself, as many of us do in our 20s, trying to find out what our life is all about. Forgiveness and getting to know God. He said, originally, God and me wasn't good friends. But now I've got to know God and I've found forgiveness. That could be a summary, really, of what Jeremiah is trying to commend to us. Forgiveness and knowing God. And so an alternative title for this sermon could be, Are You on Good Terms with God? Lent 2018. Verse 26, perhaps, from the reading. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. That verse is filled with both the privileges of knowing God's presence with us and a sense that God honors us for Christ's sake, along with also the challenge. Those who serve must follow putting our feet like walking through the snow in the footprints of Jesus and going his way. Or another alternative title, there's so much in this reading, another title could be All in Good Time because John takes the theme of time in so many ways here. We are aware of time and we talk about the fifth Sunday in Lent. For them, Jesus' contemporaries, it was six days before Passover, verse 1. But particularly for Jesus, perhaps most dramatically, verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You may remember that on three occasions so far in John's Gospel, Jesus has said, or John has said about Jesus, the time has not yet come. He was not yet arrested because his time hadn't come yet. That wasn't allowed to happen, as it were, at that point in the story. But now, 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 four times, five times in this reading, now the Greeks came. Now, verse 31, is the time for judgment. Now, verse 31, the prince of the world is driven out. And therefore, now the hour has come 
and particularly for Jesus, verse 27, now my heart is troubled. It's a moment of real crisis for him. And this hour is not the hour of his death, notice in verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's a word about triumph, as our collect said. It's a word about victory in the cross. It's the cross not as the tragic end of a great person, but the glorious achievement which John heaps up words in trying to make sense of. And the word glory and the idea of coronation are two words that John uses. Jesus crowned on the cross is the way he explains it uh, in, in this gospel very, very clearly. Jesus glorified, providing salvation for us, victory for him, salvation for us. Verse 30, 31, 32, and 33. Again, to quote Jeremiah, forgiveness and knowing God in our hearts. To quote my friend, getting on good terms with God. This week, we've lost two brilliant communicators and wordsmiths in the person of Ken Dodd, who used words for refreshing humor and amazing honesty, and Stephen Hawking, who used words with rational persuasion and power to open our minds to understand the universe in which we work. We've lost these two men. But they would be hard-pressed to compete with Jesus and the words of this gospel, the three verses I talked about earlier, 24, 25, and 26. Particularly, verse 24, this word picture which summarizes so much about this Jesus whom the Greeks and we came to see. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's an image familiar to any gardener or farmer or anyone who understands how things happen. Even weeds work this way. You drop the seed in the ground and you get many of them. It's how things happen. And this image refers to the person of Jesus, whose one death for the people, as the high priest said, uh, produces something far more than one could imagine. This leads on to verse 25, referring to us. Those who love their lives will lose them. Those who hate their lives in this world will keep them to eternal life. The challenge to follow in his footsteps, to come and die, as Bonhoeffer said. The challenge to go the Christian way in the footsteps of Jesus. And verse 26, an image of us, the community, the people of God, being those who are of service to others, serving Jesus following him, giving our lives to him, knowing the privilege of his presence, the blessing of being honored by him, challenged to serve in his name. As you gather, there is so much in these few verses. And if you feel somewhat overwhelmed by it all, then verse 27, my heart is troubled. We perhaps echo that feeling of Jesus. 
But that amazing insight into how Jesus is praying. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? No, of course not. My prayer is, Father, glorify your name. And a voice from heaven spoke. A word of encouragement. Yes, there is sacrifice for Jesus. Yes, there is sacrifice for us. There is challenge in going this way. But it is the way of heaven upon earth. That for which we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. And God is there to be with us, to honor us, to strengthen us, and to bless us, and through us to bless others as we put our feet in the footsteps of Jesus and move forward. But just at the bottom of the page, with all the encouragement of forgiveness, knowing God in our hearts, knowing God's presence, getting on good terms with God, the seed must die. It was so for Jesus, and in some sense, it is so for us.